Saturday View with Lean Dumpleton on Midlands 103. In association with Guy Clothing Tullamore. Find Guy Clothing Tullamore on Facebook. Call Lean now on 0818 300 103. Text or WhatsApp your Saturday View to 083 30 10 103. Yeah, good morning. Uh, wasn't Christy Dignam brilliant last night at the Late Late Show? He got a bit of stick on social media afterwards. I don't know why idiots out there with no brain cells all on their heads. He's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. He really is. The man's a gentleman. He's going through, you know, he's going through hell in an awful lot of ways. And, you know, he's out there and he describes what he's going through. And he's just, he's just literally, he's one of us. He's normal. You know, he's down to earth. He's paying a mortgage, as you heard last night. And he's doing his best. And he's, he's actually in Tullamore uh, on the 26th of November with uh, Aslan. But if you get a chance, you should go. He's a really, really nice guy. And uh, what you see is what you get. So I just wanted to mention that this morning. And uh, I, I just can't help but thinking of Charlie Bird today. I, it's awful uh, I mean my own profession I'm, I'm a journalist by profession and to see somebody like Charlie Bird whom I grew up watching and anybody of a certain generation you know the hockey generation and the rows and the heaves Charlie was always the one there in the plinth he was always the one there with the microphone in the window of the ministers and chasing them down the street and talking to Abba Reynolds and talking to Charlie Hockey and he was always there you, you just knew you'd get the answers if Charlie was there you'd get it and you know I, I gathered that Charlie's listening this morning and, and if you're listening, Charlie, we're, I'm, I'm so behind you and I'm looking at a piece there in today's Irish Times. Uh, it's a piece there by Mick Heaney on page 10. Charlie Bird, my voice will go first and my voice has been me. And it, it really gets you. It really does. We're going to talk about it in the programme today because I'd like to hear your thoughts on it because the man deserves all the praise that, that he's getting from people. But this is interesting. This was sent to me on uh, Thursday, the day before yesterday, from a Midlands listener who asked me to read this out to highlight her disgust. Now, I've, I've omitted the specific location of the store that she's talking about, but she's given her consent for her name to be read out. Hi, Liam. My name is Paula Rowan. And today, Thursday, I was in a large Midlands clothing department. I went to change a pair of trousers I had bought. So I said to myself, I better try them on before I get them. I had my four-year-old daughter with me. When I approached the dressing room, there was a girl standing directly in the middle of the doorway with her arms folded. I said to her, is the fitting room open? She said, yes, it is. So I said, grand, just want to try these on. And she then proceeded to tell me that there's only one person allowed into the dressing room at a time. I said, yeah, okay, that's no problem, but I'm just bringing my four-year-old in with me. She said, no, you're not. She can stay out here. So I said, there's no way I'm leaving my daughter out here. So I asked to speak to a manager. And leading to my disbelief, the manager spouted out the same crap to me. To say I was angry is an absolute understatement. That they expect me to leave my four-year-old outside the dressing room unattended. Is this really happening? I was thinking to myself. And then for them to know about the situation, shame on them. Shame on their store. Shame on who they are. It beggars belief, Liam, when hundreds of us can gather in pubs and nightclubs, but yet I can't bring my child into a fitting room. Liam, I would love you to air my story. They believe it's completely fine to leave a toddler unattended in a store. What is happening to people? Have they completely lost their common sense? That's as she wrote it. And you know something? I'm fully in agreement with her. I'm with her all the way because I think that's disgraceful. Any store, any department store, anywhere in the Midlands or the country or Dublin or Ireland, anywhere at all, that decides to do something like that is wrong. In my book. Now, I don't know what the policy of stores is as regards somebody going into a change room and leaving a child outside. But if I had my child, if my child was four years of age and if I was told to leave my child outside, there's no way I would do that. I'd walk out of the store right now. 
Now, I have contacted the store. I have contacted the company concerned uh, a lot of times yesterday to get a response, to let them know that this is going to come up in the programme. And zero. Nothing. No response. Nothing at all. Nothing from their head office. Nothing from their store. Nothing from who they are. Nothing. Not even a one-line statement. So there you are. And Paula, I know you're listening. I'm on your side. And I think everybody across the Midlands will be on your side. You know, how dare they tell a mother to leave her four-year-old daughter outside? No way. Right, after the break, I'm going to be talking about Charlie Bird. Text or WhatsApp your Saturday view to 03 Yeah, a lot of people are asking me to name the store. Uh, I, I can't. I Just for legal reasons, I can't. But it's, uh, I know your thoughts and, and I'm with you all the way. Uh, I was just looking at Facebook during the weekend, uh, people's comments about Charlie Bird. And one particular post really, really stood out to me. And it's from somebody who knows the man well. I'm going to bring it back to 1981 and it's difficult. It was the year God loved them of the stardust and that awful, awful night and a generation will remember that. Antoinette Keegan, who is a stardust fire survivor. She's a campaigner for the families and God love her. She lost her sisters in it. But she is a close friend of, of Charlie Bird and she's on the line. She's very kind to talk to us this morning. Antoinette, how are you? Hello, Antoinette. Is she there? Hello, Antoinette. Hello, Lynn. Hello, Antoinette. How are you? Not too bad. Good morning. You're very welcome to Midlands 103. It's good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's great to uh, be on your show. Thanks very much. You know Charlie Bird well. He's he's become a friend to you, Antoinette. Uh, he's a very, very, very close friend. Like, over the years, um, as a journalist, um, like, we contacted him and we had new news or new evidence and Charlie would come and he'd have a look at the evidence and the in fairness, right, not only was a great journalist, but he's a great friend, but he wouldn't actually put anything out unless he had the facts behind it, like, as a court case, beyond reasonable doubt. He was always, a, like, a great journalist in that way, that he would, like, investigate it, and then he'd say, right, well, now I see where you are, and I see how you have to get this, and it is evidence. And he has supported us over the years for a long, long time, and not only did he become a great journalist, so he came, like part of the family of the stardust like um we he has stuck with you like, since that hasn't he he's been with you all the oh, way he has yeah yeah he came he came very close to my mother um and like while she was sick he'd ring and he'd ask how my mother was and like he was very supportive to our family especially at my mom's sickness and even when she passed away like he was there ringing all the time asking how i was and how the family was so like he became more or less like part of the family than a friend, than a journalist. Yeah, people see, it's it's almost as if people think that when Charlie Bird was there, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he was always like, um, he had this character like of, um, he'd crack a joke, and like, um, sometimes like, it would, would have been serious and sad. Charlie would put a smile on your face by saying something funny. And uh, he had a great sense of humour. And it still has, like even talking to him now, like and texting him, um, like he's still like in the positivity side, like he's trying to keep this like from not knocking him, um, in that sense. And when you were to- you you've been chatting to him this week. I have, yeah. Not really talk because like it was twice, but we text him. You've been texting him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I just told him that um. I forwarded him on the message that you sent to me that they were doing for the radio show and I'm sure he's listening to it now at the moment but um, 
is like it's really devastating news, right? Because it's just like when you get close to somebody, right, and then they find find out that they're in this um, what you call a sickness, and like I pray and hope, right, they pulls through, and it's just not as serious, like as. The diagnosis. Um, did, you, did you see the piece today in the Irish Times about him? It's uh, there's a large feature about him in the Irish Times, an interview with him, and uh, just a couple of quotes. I'm just coming to terms with it. It hasn't been easy. I wish I could say I was the strongest man in the world, but I've cried my eyes out over the last month, and I don't sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't say it, um, but I know, like when he was going attending the hospital and the doctors, and like he was ringing me, and he didn't sound too good, and I'd say, Charlie, okay. And I asked, he said, I don't know. He said, they're doing all these tests on me. And, and at the moment, I don't know where, like, I stand. They've done so many MRI scans. And, um, like, uh, there's nothing coming back. No results. I I've often thought that some people just shouldn't get sick. And Charlie Bird's one of them. Just some people shouldn't. Something shouldn't happen to some people. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a hard one. It is, yeah. And Charlie, you know, like, he's so down to earth. He's done that documentary for a lot of the families after the headlines, and he called to each individual, like, family members that lost somebody in the start as if they wanted to do it in their home or they wanted to do it in a place where they felt comfortable. But I always remember when he came to my house, right, my grandson, Adam, he was only a young kid, and he kept saying to me, Anthony, who's coming? And he doesn't call me Nana. I said, who's coming? I said, Charlie Board. Who's Charlie Board? He said, there's no such name as Charlie Board. He said, you're making that up. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, honest to God. So he said, don't call somebody Charlie Board. And when Charlie calls me, helps my grandson said, what's your name? And he said, Charlie, Charlie Board. And he goes, is it really Charlie? And he goes, yeah. He said, I have a dog called Charlie. <laughs> like that that was actually in the, the documentary and Charlie thought that was very funny I remember that documentary that's right yeah, yeah. And he he, yeah. he did a great podcast as well if I remember rightly and talked about the time he was there first and God love you you've all been through it in an awful yeah, sense yeah. and I, I think that's probably when you got to know him for, for who he is you know for the person yeah, exactly, behind exactly yeah not like a journalist from RTE or a journalist from the newspapers or anything like that he became a very personal friend and still is to this day like we link up at one other and in actual fact right um, we will be meeting him shortly in person please God because when the uh, Stardust Inquest starts the fourth hearing starts um. The families, but I especially, and the families want Charlie there. Like, he has supported us all this time, and it's time now that we support him. And anything that we can do for him, we want to help him. That's a great thing to say. Yeah, you've hit the nail there, because he, like, there we are, because he, he's been there for so many people, and maybe people can be there for him now. And I, I think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And is he getting a sense, uh, Antoinette, of the support? Uh, that there is there for him because people have oh, a. He is like he, he texts me and he just said like he, thanks very much for all the support. Like he said like on my Facebook page alone, like I have never gotten that many people like liking it and commenting on it. And when I checked it yesterday, I think it was six hundred and fifty, like people that was out to put wow. it on it, and like I've never gotten that many before. And you know something uh, in in the typical brave journalistic reporting style that Charlie Bird has and is born with you know he he knows what he's facing into he knows the road he's on he knows the journey and he knows the way that journey is going to go it's very real 
Yeah, yeah, it is. And like that, it's just not, um, it's not nice to have to face all of that. And I give him credit where credit is due. And I admire him so much, right, that he is a very strong person and he tries to stay on the side, side of positivity. Just as he knows what he's facing. Uh, and as you're talking there, he's had a text in, Hi guys, just on the subject of motor neuron disease, there's a book from a Mount Rath-based group in Leash fundraising at the moment in honour of their friend Anya, who passed away last year from MND, healingwhispers.ie. And uh, it's the work that people do for fundraising and it is, is, is incredible. Yeah, well, thank God Charlie has a great family there that's supporting him and his children and his wife and like his whole family and friends and neighbours and as we call him like part of the Stardust family he's part of us and how are you? I'm not too bad not too bad at all just um, it's hard to cope and right like with me ma gone right because I still don't believe that she's gone do you know that way? And I know what you mean it is it's tough your mum's Christine yeah yeah um, it's tough. It just came unexpectedly, and it just happened so quick. Like I, I just had faith, and I kept saying that's not true. It couldn't be true, and it just hit me now. That's and a... then my friend Eugene as well. He passed away, oh, and it's Lord. like every time you get close to somebody, they're gone. That's always the way, isn't it? As soon as you get close to to them, they're taken. Yeah. And what keeps you going, Christine? What or what keeps you going, Antoinette? Is it Christine's spirit inside you that keeps you going? I think I think what keeps me going, Liam, is the fact that the state, the Irish state, has hidden the truth for so long. And when I went and met with one of the um, the officials in the Department of Environment and told him my story of what I experienced, he told me I was a liar that I didn't experience that. That wasn't in the what you call a tribunal inquiry book that Judge Rowling Keane done. That book was a book of fantasy. It was a cover-up for the, the stardust, right? And I wanted to tell the truth, and I'm still going to tell the truth. And I'm determined, right, that because it has taken the, soul, the life and soul of my ma and my dad, my two sisters, 46 other victims, and many, many more since 1981, like Eugene and survivors and parents of deceased victims that was killed that night. I want to do it for them so that they get the they can rest in peace and right now when you don't get truth and you don't get closure you, they never rest and that's why I'm determined right? I'm going to make sure that the truth goes out no matter what I have to do I admire that and I admire you and I admire anybody with that drive that you have because sometimes it must feel as though you're banging your head off a wall to, to try and get answers but I have felt like that over the years um, to be honest with you Liam like They've put every obstacle that they could put in our way to prevent us from getting the truth out there. But we got the truth out, and it was a lot to do with Darren Mackin as well and then Byland, because with their support and what they've done for to help us, right, Darren Mackin's our solicitor from Phoenix Law and Lynn Byland from Sinn Féin, um, I have to give credit to them as well and Enda Fanning, because they supported us more when we were actually on a knocking point, right, where we were going to go nowhere, like Pat McCartan had said, like that there's no evidence for a new inquiry. But we didn't give up then. We we were determined, right, that we were going to do it. And we'd done the, the 48,000 postcards and then Darren Mackin done the application through the, the barrister in Liverpool, Adam Straw and myself. And that went to the Attorney General. 
So the Attorney General had to look at it as the legal person with the government, the advisor, to look at it in the, the situation that he had to say, right, the inquest was never done properly. And this is where we're at now. But they tried again, only recently, to put another obstacle in our way to refuse the funding. But we're going along with it now because, as their solicitor said, right, he's not going to degrade himself or he's not going to degrade the families any more than they've been degraded by the Irish state. We haven't got the funding, but we're still going to go ahead with it because we want the truth to go out there. And you know something... We want the world to know what did happen on the 14th of February 1981 and the truth will come out. Truth always comes out, doesn't it? It always comes out. It does. It does. Eventually it does and it's had to take almost 41 years, right? But it's, it takes like another year, as my ma used to say, what's another year? Oh, we, we're determined we're going to get the truth out. All those governments and all that time when you think about it, all those Taoiseach, all those ministers, all those TDs, all those people that could have opened the door to do something and you're still knocking on the door. Uh, yeah, yeah. Successive governments have done it on a successive government, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, and even the Green Party, they gave them support and they have just ignored the situation that we're left in. So, like, over the years, we have been treated with systematic abuse, consistent systematic abuse. And I always say, like, what did 48 young victims do on the Irish state to deserve this, this treatment? It's, uh, what you call it, it's inhumane and it's degrading, the way they're treating the deceased victims. Even in so far as, right, on the, what you call a conclusion of the 1981 disaster uh, tribunal, um, Probable arson. That labelled 48 victims as arsonists as they went to their grave innocently. And it was disgraceful the way that they left it on the record for 27 years. And it was only through the determination of my ma, right, because my ma said the whole children were never arsonists, they never done anything criminally wrong. And it was the state that done criminally wrong on us. They actually abused deceased and abused the parents and the families of the deceased victims. Antoinette, at the end of it all, just kids going out to a nightclub at the end of the night. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah. And pay that money in and under the Duty of Care Act, the owner had a a responsibility to make sure that the premises was okay and it was safe and not like to run for dear life as soon as the fire happens and leave everyone there locked in the building behind closed doors with the ceiling collapsing and fire everywhere. And he got out safe and sound, right, and 48 went to their graves. So at the end of the day, right, the truth will come out. And the people that were responsible for it will be held liable. And the people that covered her up will be shamed. They'll be shamed from the whole country, the whole world, of what they've done on us. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Well, you, you have spoken, and you do, and you always do speak very well. And there's not a person living that wouldn't be behind you and supporting you and Antoinette Keegan thank you for your time this morning and uh, we're getting a lot of lovely texts in this morning uh, about you and your words and about Charlie and there's one Liam Charlie's second name is Charlie Brown Bird I got his autograph some years ago and he signed it Charlie Brown Bird from Pat in Tullamore <laughs> and one more um, says here Liam I'm so sorry to hear Charlie Bird's diagnosis he has truly touched the hearts of many households throughout his years of reporting and corresponding all over the world may God be kind to him and to let him know that people are all behind him says Breda in Roscrean County Tipperary and another one here for you uh, look at that man Charlie Bird has to go through the pain a gentleman he is look at all those people out there the scumbags selling drugs and 
beating people up and robbing people's homes and effing nothing happens to them but good decent people like Charlie suffer God love him we're all praying for him so everyone so Charlie if you're listening and your your pal Antoinette is here on the line too if you're listening everyone's thinking about you and Antoinette thank you yeah definitely Charlie definitely thanks for taking our call today Antoinette you're very good okay thanks very much And, and keep fighting keep fighting oh yeah yeah well, I have support from Charlie and we're supporting him as well, so well, I, hope I can't could, go wrong there. You can't go wrong, that's for sure. You can't no. go wrong at all. And I hope to go be, we, we talk again soon. Okay, thanks very much. A texter has said, what an amazing woman you are. They are. Oh, thank you. Take care, Internet. Thanks, Liam. Bye-bye to you. Isn't she lovely? And thank you for your text there as well. Yeah, we're getting a lot of texts in from uh, from people across the Midlands uh, wishing Charlie a bird the very, very best. Uh, and somebody said to me, uh, Charlie, you're not alone. We are on the journey with you. You are never by yourself. You reported for us. We can report for you. Isn't that nice? Uh, you're listening to Saturday View here in Midlands 103. The phone lines are open on 0818 300 103. Our text line or WhatsApp is 083 30 10 103. Call me now on 0818 uh, Just a quick mention to me old pal Mac, Chef Carty and Moat. He's, uh, he's opening a new takeaway actually. Best look to him and uh, wants, pizza, wants people for pizza makers and assistants. So, so well done Mac. You see when people put, put something together they start a business so it would be great. So Mac Carty, you see him on Facebook there so good luck to him uh, we support people who are trying to get a business going locally as uh, I say Liam fully agree with that lady regarding that lady and her child no one would leave their four year old unattended and certainly not in the world we live in now shame on that store and shame on Neffet shame on the government at a concert the other night and no social distancing it's greed 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 I hate the way the country's being run Liam says Patrice thanks Patrice uh, a lot of people saying you should have named uh, the store uh, look I know you're telling me to name the store. I just can't. All right, there's there's legal complications and issues and consequences. So it's it's a Midlands large department store is all I can say. But, you know, this lady is quite rightly, quite rightly disgusted and angry because I would not be accepting anybody telling me you can leave your child outside the changing rooms while you go in there. No, because my child, my child, I'll bring the child with me. Thanks very much. And to help with anybody who disagrees. Now, Thanks, Nelly. I want to go to line. Nelly's doing a great job today. Thanks, Nelly. I want to go to line two because uh, for one Port Leash woman, it's taken 33 years for her to document her story about her mental health anguishes, to come out on top and about her epic journey that now sees her triumphantly conquer that adversity. And I want to thank my old pal uh, Joe Barrett, Leash Nationalist journalist, for helping me with this one. Uh, this is my story. It's a self-penned account of 51-year-old Patricia, Dem- Patricia Dempsey. She's been hospitalised with mental health episodes 51 times since the age of 18. It recounts her harrowing depths of depression, the stellar heights near ecstasy as she battled from a young age with acne, bulimia, sleeping one hour a night, multiple sessions with psychiatrists, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, to receiving electric shock treatment. I mean, imagine, imagine going through all that. Well, she has it all documented, going through all this. She's from Leash, Port Leash. Patricia Dempsey, good morning. How are you? Morning, Liam. I, I was when I say to you how uh, I, well, like when I say to you how are you, I really do mean that. How are you after all this? This has been some journey for you. Well, I tell you, I'm up all night, nervous. <laughs> ah, don't be nervous over over this. Don't be nervous. Have you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in your hand? No, I have water. You're grand. You're grand. Oh, you're, look, you're halfway there. Patricia, this is my story. You've written the account of what you've been through. Where, where do you start? How did it all start? started back when I was 16 again when I had acne and that triggered it off 
and then the bulimia made it worse. So it wasn't until I was about 23 I was diagnosed with bipolar. 23? 23, yeah. Only a young woman. That's all, yeah. You're still a young woman. And the, the journey that, that takes you on, Patricia, for those people that don't get it, it's it's an immediate high to an immediate low, isn't it? It's just, it's, it flicks from one to the other. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it was diagnosed as bipolar first, but now it's rapid cycle bipolar disorder, which means I can go up and down at any time. And uh, my doctor then would lower one tablet or higher another tablet and then it is settled back down again. And it how do you cope on. with that? I just have to. I believe my father is still alive and, you know, he's my his spirit is here and he's got me through all this in the last seven years. And you've been... Is it, is it fair to call it a battle? People say battling these things. Is, is that what it is, Patricia? Is it a battle? It is a battle, yeah, it is, because when people like me and, and other people try to commit suicide over, it could be over anything. One, I'll give you an example. My family had, four of my family had kids in the one year, so they're all 11 now, and I could never have children. So that affected me in a big way. And I, I took a massive overdose at that stage. Oh, Lord. I couldn't cope with the fact of not being able to have a kid. That's difficult. Yeah. That's hard. It is. Like, you know when you watch a program and their women are giving birth? Yeah. I cried. Because... Why can't that I be me? Can't. Yes, yes. You said you said that time you, you took an overdose, overdose. Did you try to take your own life, Patricia? I did, yes. And have done many a time. Many a time. I even had my last right twice. You were that low? I was that close to death, yes. And what brought you back, Patricia? Was it people... Was it something? Was it your dad's spirit? Was it something inside you? What brought well, you back? My dad was there at those times. Dad was still alive at those he times. He was still alive, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I don't know what sick or what brought me back, but I came back. Sometimes I think it was my brother Seamus. I lost a brother as well. And I always believed it was him at, that, at those times, yeah. And Patricia, when you see people these days, young people, and we we all go through our our phases, we all go through, you know, being fed up with everything and feel like saying, ah, to hell with it. When, when you meet somebody or somebody says to you, do you know something, it's just not worth it, I'm fed up with it. You've been, you have been that low. I have. What do you say to them if they say to you, Patricia, what do I do? What do you say to them? Because you, you well, have been there. There was one girl in hospital one time, she was only, I think she was only 17. I would have been older at the time. And um, she, we were sitting outside and she was asking me questions and things like that. And then she turned around and she said, are you a nurse? 
I said, no, I'm a patient. Because she, the information I gave her, she thought, well, this girl knows it all. Like, I don't know it all. But, um, but you've lived it. I've lived it all, yeah. Yeah, I've had good times. Um, like going to discos, going to the pubs, all that kind of stuff. Like everybody else does. But then, through work, I would have, I would have been, I couldn't manage to do a full-time job. Because something, the illness would interfere, I'd be let go, all that kind of stuff. And I'm out of work over 10 years now, and I'm terrified to go back. Is that anxiety of going back, the thought of going back, meeting people? It is, yeah. And can you do it? Yeah. Well, I'm, I've actually went up to the National Learning Network and I've asked them to do a one-year course to go back to work. Well, that's good. That's brilliant. I'm only allowed to do 10 hours, though. That's how it is. But well, it's a start. Back. It's a start, isn't it? It's a start. Yeah, it's a start. You know, we've a lot of people listening to you this morning and they're, they're listening to what, you, what you've been through and what you are going through. And, you know, it, when you were going through the lows, Patricia, was there, were you by yourself? Was there anybody with you? Oh, I was married at one stage. So that person would have been with me. I actually was with him for 20 years. So I was. And we were running together, married seven years. Seven and years. we had to separate, so it was, it was hard. Very How, what, hard. What happened? Oh, I don't want to say. <laughs> oh. Between... Yeah, I don't want to say that. All right. Well, that, that's, um, that's your business. That's okay. But, I mean, like I, I was thinking of that phrase, like like in, in sickness and in health, for rich, for poor, for better, for worse. And, like, you need someone. Like, you need someone to hold your hand. You need someone to, you know, to be yeah. there with you. I could prefer to be with someone rather than be here on my own. I have a partner now for five and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Um, How's that working out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So far, so Brad. good. So far, so good. Is he a hand holder? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you need that every now and again, Patricia. You need to kind of lean across yeah. here and say, "You're right, love. You're right." You hold, only for a couple of seconds, but it's nice. Uh, you know, I, I think I think you're an amazing person. Will you stay with me? I want to take a very quick uh, ad break, if I may, Patricia. Will you stay in line with me for a minute? I will. Yeah. I, I'll give you a chance to fill up your glass of water there, or uh, whatever you're having yourself. The fellow says, uh, I, "I'll come stay in the line, Patricia. I'm going to come back to you in a second. Okay. I'll take a few adverts first, of course, uh, to to keep the show on the road, as, as to say. But we're talking. Oh, okay, then. St- stay in the line there. We're t- we're t- we're talking uh, to Patricia Dempsey in Port Leash, and it, it's a life lesson because anybody who goes through a low, I mean a low low, just listen to what way this lady's talking because you know she has been there, she's been through it, and your texts are coming in, and uh, you'll look. I'll I'll talk to you after the break. Saturday view with Lean Dumpleton on Midlands One Hundred and Three. Right, actually, do you know something, Patricia? I, I forgot it myself. I have to put our clocks back tonight. Did you remember that? That's right, yeah. yeah. Put our clocks back an hour tonight. Everybody, yeah, put your clocks back one hour tonight before you go to bed because uh, you'll be in line then with the rest of us. Just think, we've only got a few minutes, Patricia. Uh, you, you, you said all this you've put into a book. This is my story. D- did you keep a diary during the... Are you a diary keeper, Patricia? 
I was at one stage, and um, the di- I was trying to get the diary to come into a book, but it didn't work. But um, I set out in the balcony here in Strabrook, and I had my mother and father's chairs for the summer and the table. Right. And I just sat down at 7 o'clock in the morning, started writing, had it finished in three mornings. My God. And that was it. That's what they call prolific writing. That's incredible. And and you, when you, when you kept a diary, Patricia, did you keep it as as a younger woman for a few years and then just get away from it? Or how many years of your no, life? No. no, I didn't keep a diary all the time. No, just I would have been on and off. Yeah, I yeah. keep a diary. And most people do. My partner keeps. Does he? I think I think it's a great. Now it's a, it's it's not one of these sort of Adrian Mole, you know. Oh, oh, I'm feeling pangs of pain today for the woman next door. No, nothing like that. But it's it's a diary of my my life since I was twelve, forty nine now. And you just kind of write as you feel, write about the day, or it's 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 therapeutic almost. Yes, I've already started to write another book. Go, ha- have you? I have you. What's that about? It's telling more about. I didn't write it all into what I had. I'm writing more as I go along. Um, right. I'm not going to bring it out as quick as I brought the last one. I'm going to leave it for about five years. Oh, right. This is a long-term yeah. plan. Right, okay. Yeah, it's a long-term plan, yeah. So this sounds like you're going to achieve and do an awful lot in the next five years to put into this. I hope so, yeah. Well, I hope so too. And sure, you have to you have to look ahead with these things. But you've you've been through you've been through the mill patrician. You've been through quite a journey. And I think the fact that you've written can can people where can people get this? Where can people read the book? They can get it in Coco's on the Burris Road, Brown Thomas Brown shop on the Dublin Road, Sean Brown's license, Marty's on the Dublin Road, and nice. um, all books. Uh, Bosco's, Super Value, um, the Parish Centre, and um, there, you, now. there you go. Now, yeah, there's loads, there's loads of places. You have the whole list there. Well, people, people, word of mouth, people will find it, but this is my story. Patricia, it's been fascinating talking to you, it really has. Nice to talk to you, Julie. And there was no need to be nervous at all, sure there wasn't. People always say that to me. Oh, she's fierce nervous. Nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> no, no. You're a fine, good woman to talk and That's the main thing. And is, is himself there with you today? He is. He is, yeah. Is he listening? He is. Listening to every word you're saying, no doubt. I hope, oh, he, makes you co- I hope he makes you a cup of tea after this. I better. Get up there and make her a cup of tea and, do, and hold her hand and tell her you love her. <laughs> I was I was accused once upon a time of breaking up someone's marriage because I was having a go with someone for not. To... <laughs> I've been accused of many things in this program, but Jesus, that was that can let I them off. You can. For all the people out there that do suffer from mental health, um, a great place to go is the sea. Or if the they sea. if they had money, if they had money, get a mobile home or something like that and go every year because it's great for your mental health I agree totally yeah fair news to you Patricia and thank you and thank you Liam and you have yourself a good Saturday and put the clocks back and don't forget that I won't alright be great talking to you thank you Patricia mind yourself thank you Liam
Thank you. Bye-bye to you. And uh, I want to thank my good old pal, Joe Barrett from The Leash Nationalist. Uh, he's a great journalist. And uh, Joe helped me uh, and Patricia get together on that. And uh, so this is my story. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. I want to put this. N- Nelly's saying to me to get line one. I will, of course, Nelly. don't know who I'm talking about. I'll give it a go anyway, says you. Let me uh, press this button here. Press that there. It's all very technical here getting these things done. Right. Who have I got? Oh, is it, is it Kieran? I think we've lo- I think we've lost him, man. I think we may have lost Kieran because Kieran Maloney's been trying to get to the program. Hold on, I see. Can I get this through here? Uh, I think we've lost it, Nelly. I think you might have to try that one again. But if we can get Kieran in before the end of the show, oh yes, there he is. Well done. She's a fantastic woman. Yes, Kieran Maloney's on line one. Kieran, how are you? Good morning, Liam. How are you? Good morning. Uh, the clock beats me as usual, Kieran. I've got a couple of minutes, but thank you for joining me, Charlie Bird, Kieran. Yeah, and I suppose uh, I, I, I sent a message uh, to Charlie myself yesterday, uh, Liam, and I think it's important, I suppose, at this time uh, that we, we give give him a chance to, I suppose, uh, cope with his new situation, to come to terms with yeah. uh, his illness. But above all, I suppose, to uh, to remember remember this week in particular, I suppose, the contribution that Charlie Bird has made uh, to Irish life in terms of journalism and his terrific work over the years. Uh, I, I, I've... I know you asked me during the week about it. My, my single memory was when I started back in RT in ninety five, ninety six. Was the absolute energy of Charlie Bird, the incredible uh, work he used to do in terms of moving around the city and the country in terms of his journalism. Very quickly, I tell you about one marvelous story when he was in the middle of the city of Dublin. These were the old days when we didn't have satellite vans all over the yeah. <laughs> all over the country, and we had to literally you had to get your tapes back to RT out in, in Montrose. And I remember Charlie coming back with a cameraman in a car after doing an interview with the then T-shirt Charlie High and they were caught up in the traffic very bad traffic in the city centre so it, it was coming towards news hour so Charlie uh, eventually just jumped out of the car ran up the street to a motorcyclist flagged him down and got a lift on the back of the bike back to in Montrose he was absolutely hectic and that's uh, that's the way he's lived his life and I'm sure he continues to live his life as best as best he can because people seem to have forgotten uh, it's so long since he wasn't uh, back back in 1998 winning the Journalist of the Year Award for his tremendous investigative work into what was going on in terms of tax evasion at National Irish Bank at the time. Uh, that was a huge story he broke alongside. He was dogged almost when it came to it. Yeah, I mean, he, Charlie was never afraid of taking on people, never afraid of following the truth. I think in politics, and in business, and I'm sure he will continue to uh, to do that in the, in, the, in his life and in, and in terms of what he's doing, because you know this is a man with with a huge bravery, uh, huge energy and enthusiasm. And uh, as I say, my message to him this week was to continue to take on his present situation with the with the braveness and with the uh, energy and with the enthusiasm he did in politics when he when he covered all those events, going back to the hot era in Irish life. And uh, I, I think, as I say, we're going to hear and see lots more of Charlie Birds in the coming weeks and months. Well, I think so too, and thank you, Kieran Maloney, because you you would have worked with the man, and you're quite right. That 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 is Charlie. That is that's his essence. That's who he is. It's to get to the very end and find out what's underneath those floorboards, and find out and to keep digging. And you're very kind, Kieran, for your words. And we understand he's listening this morning, and uh, our very best wishes to him. Kieran, thank you. Thank you very much, Liam. Have a good day. Mind yourself. That's uh, Kim Maloney. They're good for him to uh, to join the show and to get his say in on Charlie Bird. And we're getting so many uh, texts in as well uh, about Charlie wishing him well. So, Charlie, we, we wish you well. We really do. Uh, Liam, if that lady in the department store wanted to buy some clothes for for a four-year-old, whether well, it were for herself, call her, uh, she would have had to go into the change room with her daughter. The store should be named and shamed, says Pat and Kilbegan. Yeah, look, I'm on your side, folks. I am on your side. I'd love to do it. Just there's just there's issues uh, which mean that I can't. Uh, but look, put it this way: I think it's disgraceful. 
I really do. And Nelly, thanks for getting uh, that, that call through at the end. I, if, if I went into the store of my child and I was told, sorry, the child has to stay outside, I'm gone. I'm out of there. And I would do what she did. I would say, name and shame them. You know, how dare you? How dare anybody tell anybody? You know, a mother of a child. And I know you're supporting. I know you're on your side. We all are. But if that store is listening up, there's any stores out there with this, what is the policy of a parent bringing a child into the change room? Surely to God, it's fine. It's perfect. Surely you should be allowed to do that. Could somebody please enlighten me? Because I'm going to be out shopping today at some point and I want to find out, you know, do you, are you allowed to bring your child in? You must be. You have to be. 